0: Last class of the day, so tough to get through. (music) Listeners, welcome back. This is episode 17 of season one of Takes of Our Lives, I'm Vince Kochi. I'm joined by my friend, Steve Wilk, and we are talking about Season 1, Episode 17 of The O.C. today. It's titled, The Rivals. Mm. Steve! What's up, man? We're not rivals. We're the opposite rivals. But maybe we might. We might have opposing viewpoints on this episode. This isn't seated, I don't know for sure. But I, before we get into anything... Are you, are you,
1: are you assuming... If you had to guess, would you... Are you leaning towards... Uh... Are uh, thoughts being aligned as they normally are? Or are you are you su- are you suspecting that there might be uh, some double
0: take scenarios? I think we might be we might be in double take territory, and I don't know. We're usually so closely aligned, but just the talk track that has preceded this episode, and now upon watching it, I'm just going to get it out there. I'm going to get it off my chest. Didn't care for the episode. Okay. Did not think it was particularly strong. I think it's it's. Extra bitter in my mouth because we've had so many bangers in a row.
1: We really have been spoiled. Uh, I would say like the last like five or six are like in the top half in terms of quality uh, from the first season. So yeah, to have one that doesn't quite quite live up to uh, you know the spoils that we've we've enjoyed over the la- these last few episodes, it's not. Um, I'm not too distraught about it. I I I don't think I was as down on it as you seem to be, uh but we will definitely parse that out um over the next hour or so. Uh and if we do just, you know, it, 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 we don't always have to see eye to eye. We can sure. we can just sit down to some T-vote episodes of Leno from 04 and <laughs> you know, let bygones hey. be bygones.
0: Hey, you you like Leno. I like John Stewart, and that's okay that's okay do not do not cast me as the danny in this
1: relationship that that, (laughs) i i i didn't i wanted to see how long i could go without saying his name because that really is (laughs) i'm gonna come out of the gate with a take right away the danny is officially the worst creation that the oc has birthed up until this point
0: that's that is a that's a good take it's not a particularly (laughs) hot one but it's a good one um Let me pose you a hypothetical, Steve, about Danny. Okay. Well,
1: let's. So, is the is so you you mentioned at the top here that you you were a little underwhelmed with this episode, and it was uh, you're a little you know unhappy with it because of like the you know the the good episodes that has preceded it. Is Danny the chief reason that you think this episode is not as good?
0: No, no, he's like an unholy garnish. It's like the episode was already bad, and then. It's just like, what's one way we could have saved it was with like a cool, interesting sort a well of well drawn character.
1: Danny. Yeah, that because that 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 character type, like a a foil, like a comedic foil to Seth, uh, is interesting. But they just whiffed so hard with it. But I interrupted you. What what was the the hypothetical you wanted to pose,
0: Steve? I wonder if you surveyed one thousand fans of the show, actual fans, like uh, us tier fans at least. Okay. How many in the dark would be able to list Danny on a list of characters?
1: So are you are you are you posing them that you're asking them to list every OC character they can think of?
0: Yeah, list as many as you can.
1: I would say under 5% would be able to come
0: up with the name Danny. Well, I w- I would go so far as to posit that just plain 5 out of 1000. <laughs> Okay. Yeah.
1: That, Uh, I mean, yeah. Out of a thousand, if you're, if you're not, if you're, cause if you're going super fan territory, it's tough, you know, cause they're, they're, it's hard to gauge, you know, what the, um, what the super fans know and remember and have watched over and over again. I mean, where we, I guess here's another question. Where do you rank us in terms of OC fans? Fascinating
0: question. I would say, uh, definitely in the top 10% of average humans.
1: That's for sure, anyone who would i mean you could just point to this the creation of this podcast or in general to say that, but I would say you know taking a <laughs> taking aside the amount of time we've devoted to watching it and talking about it, I think we're in like the of of o c fans I'd say like if you're gonna rank them, we're in like the probably the seventy fifth percentile i would guess
0: so the top three fourths yeah, yeah, I think that's a really modest but but also fair take on it. Uh I I would say I would say with a little more elbow grease we could get to top half and I don't think that would be <laughs> I don't think that would be untoward but we've put it the Danny cart in front of the Seth horse <laughs> on this episode what happens what occurs
1: In the episode uh yes. oh man I'm it's hard it's hard to look past Danny but I'll try um <laughs> so we've got we've got Sleuth Ryan Ryan is doing some detective work um,
0: because Oliver has showed up at Harbor.
1: Oliver, in the, in the opening scene, we have Oliver, a new transfer student, um, who's, you know, the, who, Mr. Administrator, inter- or, you know, interrupts Ryan and Marissa's kiss in the hallway to tell him that there's a new transfer student. And it turns out that it's Oliver. Uh, so we've got Oliver at Harbor. Ryan is ever more suspicious and looking for ways to, that. maybe something we should talk about later on, but... What is his plan there? Like, I, like getting evidence that Oliver is unstable and t- to what end? But well, we that can is, investigate that further. But, uh, and then, so that takes up most of the, I would say, the, the most interesting drama of the episode. We've got the introduction of Danny, um, the unholy creation, the, that <laughs> is kind of like the, uh, uh,
0: And he exists because he's Seth, or he's Summer's replacement Seth. Summer is dating him.
1: Purely in the interest See, of making Seth jealous, it would appear.
0: Yes, yes, obviously. So we've and got. He sucks.
1: We, oh, it fully sucks. So we've got Danny. <laughs> Danny is uh, Seth is dealing with that, and then the adults, um, a little dry, and that. I mean, we'll definitely get into this more as well. But the uh, so Jimmy and Seth, or Sandy are continuing their drunken night out with, and their plans to buy the lighthouse, and uh, and then we've got like a wholly unnecessary little small arc of julie becoming the interior designer for the newport group
0: yeah now here this is another reason why i, I consider this like a bottom 25 percent episode and it was it was rough to watch because this plot is it's pretty dark and not not because the plot itself is like anything interesting or, or particularly bad um we can we, we can dive into this in our appropriate segment but what are they doing with Julie's character? Ugh.
1: So, are you 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 take an issue with her like desire to be an interior designer, or are you? Because I, I actually it's just, think it's it's decent, Julie. Because we do get we do get like the there's some classic Julie. So at first, you know she she's begging Kirsten to get the job. She get You know, Kirsten does her this favor, and then immediately she, she becomes, like, entitled and uh, kind of, like, outwearing her welcome, like, pretty much from the get-go, uh, and, you know, a little bit bossy, whatever, uh, realizes it's not gonna, you know, things aren't going her way, is kind of, you know, breaks down, asks for help, receives help, it turns out that she does, that uh, Caleb is happy with the outcome, and then she takes all the credit and is back to entitled. So I feel like we do get, like, a, a, a bit, what the, the things that are kind of, like, irritating, about Julie, or some of them anyway, if this isn't full-on loathsome Julie, but we do get that, like, oh, God, you just, like, she, sometimes she does these things that just make you so pissed, and uh, we do get that in this episode. Unfortunately, it's over something that, like, could not matter less in terms of, like, the narrative of this
0: show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's zero stakes, but the, the thing that bugs me about it, Steve, is that what, what was Julie's original role in the show? It was this proud, truly icy truly capable villain. And now she's been relegated to, like, she did, like, four different mood swings throughout the episode. She was, like, helpless. She was, like, sudden... When we saw her with all the people in the room, I thought we were supposed to get the impression that she actually cared. Like, oh, this is her... She's gonna actually seize this opportunity. She's gonna try. And then she, like... Yeah, they she don't... <laughs> doesn't have a redemption moment either.
1: No, but she does take the credit and does not thank Kirsten or you know like pass on any of the credit to her, which is very Julie esque.
0: It is. It's in her personality profile. It's just so small potatoes that it 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 hurts my heart that since Oliver has come along and he's a great villain, now our former villainess has been like put out to pasture with these like crummy B plots and. It's a like good minor point. connivances, right? Yeah. And things that like really like
1: don't even matter to Kirsten barely and like absolutely <laughs> yeah. not to any other character in the show. So you're, you're definitely right about that. That's a good observation. But I, something tells me that she, Julie will be back, uh, and in, in front and center villain wise, uh, as the episodes unfold for the rest of this season.
0: Here's hoping fingers are crossed uh yeah so that's pretty much what happens. It's a nice uh it's a clean episode in that it doesn't have a ton of random plot threads running around like some did in the, in like the second act of the season I would say. Uh so that's nice but beyond that I don't know what what in rewatching it Steve did you notice that you maybe wouldn't have previously?
1: Oh man. Well, we talked a lot about it at the beginning like the first, you know, we're what we're, we're almost two-thirds of the way through uh, season one at this point. Um, I do remember earlier on in the you know in, in podcasting about the show that we talked about how much like the adult drama was overshadowing the kids drama that has flipped fully So at this point yep. the kid I could not care less about and honestly like there's I, there, there was some good stuff with uh, Sandy and Jimmy when they get the you know hatched the idea to buy the lighthouse but honestly the scenes f- with them together in this episode. Going through like the will they or won't they of buying it um, wasn't super interested in that. And there weren't any like super memorable moments from that. So um, the 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 kid drama is officially replaced the adult drama in terms of what interests me about this show. Yeah. And then Danny, like he I said, I, I wouldn't have I did not remember that he was part of the show. Uh, and he is just terrible, just absolutely awful. And we'll get into why, reasons why, but those, those were my big takeaways from watching it. What about you?
0: Uh, same boat. Um, I'm consistently surprised. One of the criticisms I had of the show in the first half was how quickly some really juicy, big arcs just kind of wrapped themselves up suddenly. I'm pleasantly surprised by how slow-burning the Oliver arc is. It's it is. really good. It's really juicy, and I feel like we're spending just the right amount of time on each of the like developments.
1: Was I didn't I was kind of ready for a little more Oliver in this episode. We didn't even really mention how the episode concludes. It's all it's extremely dramatic, you know, Oliver basically like, you know, outlines his entire plot to Ryan uh, you know or maybe not outlines his plot but it it admits basically that he is in love with Marissa and that he believes that they're meant to be together and that he is happy that Ryan's out of the picture Um, so and then of course Ryan explodes and resorts to violence as he's prone to do but uh, other than that (laughs) Oliver really isn't in the episode that much
0: uh, and he's 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 on the periphery um. he's definitely
1: on the periphery yeah and i mean he's the the drama obviously like revolves around him but you know there's there's a scene where he kind of you know hints at ryan hints to ryan that there was an incident which is one of the reasons why he left uh you know his old high school and then there's like some shots of him and marissa like in the distance but i don't know i'm trying to think what else he's he does in this episode that uh is noteworthy
0: uh, i just like on like four occasions with the last occasion being the most important one he just sort of like shows up to needle ryan yeah just to like get under his skin well i guess there is that I scene in the that. hallway
1: where you, the you took the luke line but uh yeah where he like kind of sneaks up on him while ryan's opening the locker again to put the note back yeah so yeah we he, at that moment yeah and he's kind of he's like oh yeah like what did you run out of ink or whatever? And what, what kind of emergency could it be that you're, you know, breaking into her locker? So good point there. Uh, we also get, I don't know if, how, how where else you wanted to go with that, but we've got a new Luke alert uh, if we're doing Luke watch. Oh, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I wanted to ask you. So I, w- I would classify this as right or Ryan's right hand man, Luke. Yep.
0: I don't know if you I can't. call him little buddy Luke. <laughs>
1: But yeah, he's he's like fully Ryan's sidekick, at least in terms of like... Which is extremely weird because he, Luke sees what's happening. He's the only one, the only one other than Ryan who's like, yeah, this dude's here for Marissa. It's very obvious. But he doesn't seem like perturbed at all. He's he's fully like... You would have forgotten wholly that at one point Luke and Marissa were the two dating. Now he's just backing up Ryan at all costs.
0: Yeah, this is, this is the thing that the show does that drives me up a freaking wall. Mm. Like this could have been... This could have been, like, a time for Luke to sort of exacerbate the situation, maybe, like, see it as his chance to get back with Marissa, sow a little bit of discord. I know that doesn't really jive with the show's flow. It, it could would make like-
1: sense, though, in terms in terms of, like, a motivation for that character, whereas his, what he decides to do is, like, totally confounding although that's kind of <laughs> been his mo for the last three episodes so in, in a way yeah, it's in line
0: <laughs> it's, it's so it i mean they should have rode him off the show already that's what they should have done because there's really? nothing for him to do he's superfluous he's been completely supplanted by every other character he they have to contrive ways for him to even enter the scene like why is he in the hallway he just sort of floats in and yeah. then gives like the driest line. I got, I am supposed to wait for the next segment to do this, but can we just talk? There's some act. There's there's some absolutely acquaintance tier small talk going on in this episode. <laughs> I don't get it at all. Oliver hits Ryan with, "Does junior year ever get easier mm. on his first day of school?"
1: <laughs> Confusing.
0: <laughs> and then of course Luke Luke gives us this so. absolute gem. Last class of the day, (laughs) so tough to get through. (laughs) Yeah, man. And Oliver ended on a holiday card, Luke.
1: And Oliver ends the conversation with being like, "Long bathroom break. I guess I got to get back to class." I mean, I know he got he had to like (laughs) get out of the conversation somehow, but that was also. I like the way you put that acquaintance here, but no. The 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 most confounding part is Luke's line: "You give me the word, and I'll drop the Great Gatsby." (laughs) did you did you understand what he meant by that is he trying to refer to oliver as jay gatsby or is he talking about his fists or what the hell what does he mean by (laughs) what what, who's gatsby in this scenario
0: if if danny is the is the most poorly contrived character i don't think he's poorly contrived i think he's
1: poorly executed the writing and the performance is garbage tier. the contrivance is not bad
0: You're correct. I I rescind. I I reformulate my take. But the worst single line, or maybe not the worst, the most indecipherable single line of this season so far is, I will drop the great Gatsby. (laughs) As someone who's read the book and seen the film, I, I don't know what that reference is. If he's referencing that Oliver is Gatsby and he'll drop him, that's like so far flung of a connection to make in Luke's simian brain,
1: right? Because yeah, that's the thing. Because that that makes the most sense for if he's going to use Gatsby, um, in that scenario. But yeah, we're we're meant to believe that Luke is an oaf. He wouldn't know. He probably has read The Great Gatsby, at, you know, as assigned reading at some point in his life. But he wouldn't know. He wouldn't remember it.
0: Absolutely not. Steve, I feel like we've already appetizered into this next segment, but (laughs) let's go full-fledged and bring out our knives and forks for Takedown Breakdown. So listeners, we break out Takedown Breakdown even when we like the episode. So when (laughs) we've got one like this, you better understand that we're coming in hot. Uh, And I have just a a treasure trove of Of stuff to take down here
1: okay you will save i mean if if it's if it mine centers wholly around danny so why don't we save danny for the the end of the takedown breakdown but anything that you have that's non
0: danny related let's
1: let's get it out there
0: uh well we've already we've already talked the gatsby line so i'm gonna move on to (laughs) scarves oh yes (laughs) the whole seth and anna dress alike so this is this is particularly goading because one of the main things about Anna's character is her bizarre dress patterns.
1: Yeah, right. We've talked about now. it at length. I feel like we've it's <laughs> it's gone noted. But yes, now they dress alike. <laughs> now it's they can't like go one one scene without wearing like a very very similar outfit.
0: It's never been a problem before. It's never been like a point of order. Suddenly, it's this long drawn out problem that they just can't get away from. Don't get it. Do not get it. Uh, where did Julie Cooper find and hire 10 people on short notice? That was, that office?
1: was real. And where'd they all go? There's, they go, she has like a, an office full of people who are like, like I, you know, I've, I've mentioned my, my career as a real estate agent a couple times on this podcast. I can't imagine what you would do with like six people getting ready for one open house. I understand it's the Newport group and they're, they're selling, you know, what, what I assu- can only assume are multimillion dollar homes, but still that's a lot of people uh for a job that's not that difficult but yeah and then so she she gathers this like crack team and then as soon you know like the shit hits the fan and then they're all gone did they all quit they were like what happened to all of them? <laughs> they were laid
0: off fun suspended. why wasn't
1: she yelling at them why didn't we get the julie being like a tyrannical boss that like can't handle like a simple task
0: yeah that scene. would have been much more fun than it just like disintegrating Instantaneously, I totally. I didn't quick at it.
1: Quick. I don't. I don't want to uh, bury this into the ground too deep. But the the scarf thing. You mentioned the scarves. I seriously thought when Seth walks into the kitchen with his scarf on, I thought like. This is some kind of joke. Like, is he, what, where, like, I thought the They're scarf gonna was going to. roast
0: him for some reason. Yeah, Sandy's I thought the gonna scarf is going to play
1: in at some point. I mean, it kind of does. It pays off when Anna's wearing the same scarf. It kind of looks normal on her, the way, she, the way she's wearing it, with some of the decisions she's made in the past. But that, I was like, I almost laughed out loud when he walked into the kitchen when he wearing a <laughs> scarf and, like, a button-up shirt. But. It was
0: so out of place. Um, a quick one. Hydrangeas only. I don't know why. Just <laughs> tickled my funny bone. Um. Yeah. What else? Uh. I mean, my other stuff is is starting to revolve around the big problem, the elephant in the room.
1: Okay. Let's go there. Let, let's actually. Yeah. Get, get Daniel. Get in
0: there. Let's talk about the existence of Daniel. So he's, as you said. It's kind of a good idea. Summer is trying to replace Seth, but also trying to make Seth de- jealous, and so he's supposed to be some this sort of like nega Seth, this like uh, Bizarro Seth type character. Mm. Um, good use of a,
1: good use of a comic book villain foe to Seth. Yeah, he is the Bizarro Seth to Seth Superman. He's the Bizarro <laughs> Superman.
0: Uh, <I> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, it's not a bad idea, like you said. But what is his humor style? And this is my first issue with the episode. They say this like a thousand times. Big isn't funny, and that, I want to ask you something, Steve. Yeah. So I kind of agree that big isn't funny. Sure. Uh, I prefer subtlety. Is this a meta remark? I would say so. If it if it
1: is, what like what are they? How are they being self referential? Are you saying that they the the show? Is congratulating
0: itself for its own humor style?
1: I think that you could you could make an argument there. Um, I I, the way I the question I had was 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 describing something as big ever in the zeitgeist like that. I I have never heard that, (laughs) and they say it like you said like no less than thirty times in this episode. (laughs) Uh, so, but, but the thing is you, you understand immediately what they mean by that. That's the thing too. Like, I feel like it could have been, it maybe should have been, uh, a way to describe like a certain type of comedy. Um, cause I don't, I, at least I was never confused what they mean by big. It makes sense. Like, especially. it just
0: struck me as like Seth having this sort of knowledge about the tenets of humor just gives me like. It's just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. And I don't really even mind it. It just feels a little bit like Adam Brody saying it and less like Seth Cohen saying it.
1: That's interesting. That's a good take. I also want to point out that I've, I've, we've mentioned this before, too, but this is the same year, a mere like, you know, three or four months after the OC premiered, Arrested Development premiered. And I feel like that really shaped comedy for like our generation in a huge way and that that was kind of also the opposite of big i mean there's ridiculous shit that happens in that show but a lot of the comedy is like very nuanced in uh, arrested development so it's interesting that at that time in like you know oh three oh four we're, we're getting it's, it's a very anti-big moment
0: yes i, I <laughs> that's well said uh yeah i think everyone was going small it was time for small and i do want to say i don't I don't imagine that people watching Danny live thought he was funny.
1: No. Well, that's my biggest issue with it, it's be, because the it's it's bad enough that he's straight up not funny. Because I, I I mean, Chris Farley was big and Chris Farley was funny, so it's not like Big isn't funny. That's my take. But he it, Danny is terrible, and the worst part for me is the way the reactions that he's getting from all the other kids before he like goes full on too big. Uh, let me just rank them here for you. <laughs> and you tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong. Okay. These are the okay. weakest reactions to Danny's comedy, especially it's, it's mostly from that opening scene where we first get introduced to him. So we get summer. she's interested in this person, uh not terrible, not overselling it, but still laughing, still trying to make sure that she or that Seth sees that she thinks this guy is funny. So not terrible, not great with summer. Anna, sneaky bad, maybe the worst. But but not really by a long shot. Um, miming the toilet bowl swirl when he does like the don't fall in joke, uh, and then when he does the the like why are you all up in my Kool Aid without knowing the flavor and she kind of does the head swivel like uh, meanwhile like laughing her ass off, uh, terrible. <laughs>
0: Like, Dude, hearing you describe it is actually worse than of wit- having witnessed it.
1: But by far the worst is Luke. Here we get another... We get, <laughs> we're get we back to oaf Luke here. He, like, yes. seriously has a collapsed lung when he's doing... When Danny is doing, like, the the bad <laughs> kung fu dubbing joke. Um, Luke, like, is losing his mind. He's, like, going <laughs> mad from laughter. And then when he does the CSI joke, like, oh, we've got it. We've got it. Somebody call CSI when Seth's not laughing. Just really, yeah. really bad. So those are those are my rankings of worst reaction to Danny's comedy.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with, and it pains me to do it. Gotta be Samari Armstrong as Anna. Worst reactions. Luke's uh, were so bad that I thought they became funny. Like they were not that it was. Please don't get me wrong. It wasn't good television, but it was like truly terrible in an entertaining way hers was terrible in a way that made me like physically cringe
1: that hers were the most cringe worthy and and like the most confounding because we know enough about Anna at this point where she would not think that that dude was legit funny she might laugh along to be polite and be like oh this guy's an ass but like i'm not gonna it's almost worse if i just stand here with a straight face
0: um so let's break this down steve if you if you don't mind yeah danny (laughs) Is he meant? Was he meant by the show to be funny, or was he meant by the show to be obviously unfunny? So here, and then so Seth can have a Twilight Zone moment.
1: Here's the here's the tell the the show knows he's not funny, and it happens when Sandy and Seth are in the kitchen, and Sandy yep. says, "Wow, that guy is not funny." Sandy Sandy knows. And then they, they had that wonderful conversation about Gentiles not being funny. And he's like, I love your mother more than words, but not funny. <laughs> he's like, get yourself some funnier friends. Um, so shout out to Josh Schwartz there, a uh, uh, Jewish individual who clearly thinks that, you know, or I guess I should, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting there. It, it, it seems to me that Josh Schwartz thinks that uh, Jewish people are generally funnier than non-Jews which I, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, there's plenty of hilarious Jewish people out there. But that conversation between two Jewish people in the kitchen uh, kind of very, led me very, to that.
0: Yes. I, and I, it was a great convo. My, one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode. Um, so, my, But I have a follow-up question, Steve, because I think you, you've answered in the way that I would have answered as well. So we're, we're agreed. If the show was meaning to make an unfunny character, what is a better way to do it than the way that they made Danny because Danny is when he's on screen i wanted to shut it off so they've clearly they've clearly done something wrong but how could they have done it right that's a great question i haven't really thought about that
1: and i think that so they're the the biggest sin they commit is having the other kids think he's funny that's that's my opinion because <laughs> it's tough to have like a so cuz the what you're asking is how do you So how do you make a non-funny character who some people think is funny and some don't? Which they kind of achieved. The problem is that I don't think anybody would have... I think he would have been making similarly obvious jokes and people responding in a way that was a little bit more believable. I think that like Anna's response to it was that was when I was like, this is like, this went from bad to like unwatchable.
0: I think it could have been... It's difficult. I think if they would have instead made it Summer's Twilight Zone where she's the only one that thinks he's funny and she's like clinging to this idea that he's funny because she needs to be with someone funny because she's in love with Seth. Like that could have been fun or they could have made him like kind of funny. They could have made it they could have like tried and just like Seth could have like been a little jealous of him but still been sort of like in the twilight zone, because I think that's what they were trying to achieve. And I think they did, they did get some good humor out of Seth's reactions. Yeah. Um, But he, what, what they shouldn't have done. The one thing I'm certain of, is what they shouldn't have done is what they did, which was create an abomination that, (laughs) that sucked the life force out of the other characters. And I don't know this. I, I should look up the actress name so I can apologize to him for this take, but, Uh, This is uncharacteristically shallow of me, but the man is too toothy. It just, like, Mm. it melds in a truly supernatural way with his unfunny character to be physically painful.
1: It is. It's true. They did get, they kind of cast, if they were going for, like, unwatchable, they casted it well. (laughs) And again, yeah, that's yes. not a shot at whoever that dude is. He does no. look kind of familiar. So it was funny when, so there's that one part where when Seth invites him over. He's like, I T-vote some Leno, Sean William Scott is on. And I was like, oh man, Sean William Scott as Stifler. Because he has like the look and the energy that that, that character St- Steve Stifler from the American Pie trilogy, I think, or maybe more. But like, he just fits it so well. Like he he like embodies that character. And I feel like the same is true for this dude. The problem is, is like the character is just like beyond reproach <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> yeah okay so now let's get into the fun stuff about him uh what was your least favorite danny gag
1: oh i'm so glad you asked me this i was gonna ask you this um let's see shit oh yeah De- def okay i was gonna so w- last uh episode i i suggested maybe a micro segment uh which i would like to call couples doing coupley stuff for the line that makes <laughs> my skin crawl the most but when he yeah. walks up to uh, uh, Seth and Anna while they're get, ordering smoothies or whatever, and he says, "Why are you up all up in my Kool Aid, not even knowing the flavor?" I like was I my I had like a, a visceral reaction, like I would have if like I smelled like you know like yogurt that had been in the fridge for like you know two weeks too long. <laughs> what about you?
0: Yeah. Um. Mine was, and there are so many to pick from, we don't even mention the prolonged nose boop, something on your shirt.
1: Ugh. Like, yuck. Fuck.
0: Not to mention the racially insensitive dubbing gag. Like, that's we don't do that anymore. And then, but my my least favorite, easily, was playing video games around the couch. Sandy comes home, and he goes, Hi, I'm Sandy. And he goes, Take a shower. And then (laughs) Sandy, like, doesn't get it. And instead of, like, it would would have been, like, a cute moment for Danny to sort of, like, hit dead air and, like, actually apologize or something. But he goes, sorry, I like it dirty. He doubles down. And that, it doubles down in a truly incomprehensible way. I said, holy shit, when he said it, because I was so annoyed. (laughs) That was my least favorite. But many to choose from. Yeah. Very lame character extremely
1: lame. I don't know. One more question I wanted to ask. So, so we get uh, Jay Leno as kind of like the signifier for like bad. See, that's, that's the interesting thing. Cause you could, you, you can have popular, I guess if you, I don't know. I'm trying to think about your question about what he, what they should have done with this character, but they, they, they picked, they casted him well and they picked like the perfect uh, signifier of like comedy at the time that was just kind of known to be not funny uh, in Leno. Hacky and lame. Right, like where you, at the beginning of the episode, and they do this in the, the episode of The O.C., but they draw a line between, you know, dividing Jay Leno and John Stewart. So one is, one is like, known to be, like, thoughtful and, you know, like...
0: Incisive and yeah, clever.
1: Yeah, right, and, like, cutting and stuff like that. All the things that you would, like, want out of comedy. And then Jay Leno just kind of, like, being extremely obvious and, you know... Not very thoughtful. Um so I was gonna ask who who would that be if this was airing in twenty nineteen, who's who's the signifier of um but who's the Jay Leno of our time, I guess.
0: Ooh, I like this. A little mini aired today. Um good question. So who is like who's like obvious?
1: So I, I think Jay Leno's. I've got a couple for you. Um, one that I, I feel like this person gets uh, derided, kind of. Well, I'll start. I will save this one. I thought Kevin. One that came to my mind right away was Kevin Hart. Uh, extremely popular, but I think it's kind of outworn as welcome in a lot of ways, and is definitely could be considered big. Um,
0: yeah, that's a good one.
1: So we get Kevin That's Hart. That's possible. Uh, but I actually, I'll, st- I kind of stand for Kevin Hart. I, I was into him before. I mean, before he became like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, but yeah, his shtick has definitely gotten old. Um, the dude with the puppets, Jeff Dunham. Are you familiar with this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's almost like yes. too easy because I feel like I mean he's also insanely popular, but kind of like. Y- in know. the
0: worst possible way. Right,
1: yeah. So uh, that's like maybe not even a good answer for that reason. Uh Jimmy Fallon, I feel like gets shit on a lot uh for just kind of being overly enthusiastic and, you know, all like the stupid games he plays on his show. My apologies saying yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, that's another fans good pick, dude. But those are just some of the ones I thought of. I'd probably I mean it's kind of the the other thing I wanted we're really kind of like drawing this out here, but I had a lot of thoughts on this. So <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> you don't get a character like danny too often so we have to capitalize
1: no so the other thing i was thinking about was so they use leno as like the you know the identifier for someone who's not funny meanwhile so this is like o three o four. this is kind of like right in the stretch where conan was like the best he ever was i was a big conan fan when i was in high school and early college uh when he was still doing late night uh before oh, he yeah. got the tonight he show was, gig
0: he was incredible
1: dude he's so good um so I think he could have, instead of John Stewart. I mean, Conan could have fit in there well. Conan takes over the Tonight Show, doesn't work out, and then they bring in someone who's much more Leno-esque in Fallon. And now we're kind of back where we started with uh, in 2019. Here we could use Jimmy Fallon just as easily as we could have used Leno in 04, in
0: my opinion. Truly, uh, time is a flat circle, and <laughs> um, nowadays it would not be TiVoing Leno. It would probably no. be watching. It'd be like Kevin YouTube YouTube
1: special. clips. Yeah, YouTube clips of Fallon from the night before. <laughs>
0: uh, who would be the who would be the good comedian? Probably like um, There's
1: so many of them now. I mean, yeah. comedy is really like you know, with mostly with the Netflix specials and stuff like that, but I don't know, who do you think? We could throw out some names just for fun.
0: I mean, they would probably they'd probably just stay in the vein and go with John Oliver or something, right?
1: Yeah, that's a I good mean, call. Oliver, Seth
0: Cohen being like vaguely politically aware.
1: That's a great call. John Mulaney, he's he's in that.
0: Oh, he would be, Seth would love him. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, Seth would lose his mind for Mulaney. But
0: great segment, dude. Excellent segment. <laughs> we cracked the code. We, we, like, did a little of everything, Dan- and it's all thanks to Danny. Yeah, Danny. Something beautiful has bloomed from this grave. It
1: really was, I mean, it was terrible, but it. I was, like, more engaged with the show ba- because of him and in <laughs> ways that I haven't been in, like, the last couple episodes, even though those episodes are much, much better not having Danny in them.
0: I don't want to be too, like, brain genius cerebral or anything, but I think these are the sort of imperfections that have made the show, like, really memorable because if it was all just, like, good, solid, dramatic offerings week in and week out, I don't, I don't think it would have the dimples and the divots that make it charming
1: that's a great observation yeah shit like Danny and like Luke changing characters like three times in the course of an episode (laughs) part of what keeps uh, keeps us on our toes watching and talking about this show
0: but it wasn't all bad Steve no there were some good dramatic moments and in these moments we consider them for the O scene Uh, I have I have two I have one and a backup and they're both pretty similar.
1: Okay, I'll why don't why don't you let me kick it off? I've got one that I feel Please, pretty strong yeah. about. Um, this the my pick for my O scene. Uh, Marissa in the hallway confronting Ryan outside of detention. Was this either of your two? Yep, this is one of them. Okay, um, we haven't gotten a. I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself. I haven't really thought that Marissa, she hasn't made my tier list in the last, even since the show's gotten especially good over the last few episodes since Oliver uh, joined the cast. But um, I liked this scene from her quite a bit. Uh, It starts great. I really like the misdirection from Dr. Kim, where she sits her down and is like, I got to talk to you about one of our transfer students.
0: Oh, that was so good.
1: And then that got me thinking. So they really kind of throw it in Ryan's face a lot, the similarities between him and Oliver. And I did a quick uh, rundown of how many times this happened. So Marissa did it last episode where, and then Seth does it this episode while they're playing video games. Dr. Kim does it in the meeting with Sandy and Kirsten. Dr. Kim does it again to Marissa before she, uh, you know, confronts Ryan about lying. to. She really
0: has Ryan's number this episode. Totally. Um,
1: Do you find this effective or do you think it was a little too much?
0: um i i think by the end i i said like in my own head like yeah yeah yeah, i get it but i don't think they did it too too much like no i think they did it one too many times but it does bear underlining because this is the episode where we really start rooting against both characters oliver and ryan like it's a it's Mutually assured destruction in terms of how the audience is meant to feel about the characters because Ryan cannot get out of his own way. He's totally. being an asshole, even though he's a justifiable asshole, I guess you could call him. Uh, he's basically harming and endangering everyone who is close to him in his desperate, jealous mission to unmake Oliver.
1: Crosses the line in three huge ways. One, first, like yes. breaking in the you know the records office. Two stealing the note from Marissa and reading it,
0: and then three, obviously assaulting Oliver at the end of the episode. Um, and b- meanwhile, all Oliver has ever done wrong, in even in like in lore knowledge, is fake his own suicide attempt. That's really bad. Well, I mean, they don't, don't even know wrong.
1: it was a fake at this point. They yeah, they, they don't know suspicious. it. But even the
0: audience right. doesn't even think that lowly of of Oliver yet. Mm-hmm. And confess that he's in love with Marissa true is this any worse than what ryan did to luke interesting that's an interesting thought
1: so you're suggesting so what what did let's remind me exactly how it goes down with ryan and luke ryan well, well ryan, ryan never, doesn't do
0: anything too cerebral or conniving right he just but he very he makes openly known that he is into marissa and breaks them up and starts dating her
1: yeah it's a good point i mean Ryan, at, at, I mean, at no point does he ever, the The big difference is what the last episode you get Oliver faking having taken the pills and then that scene where he's dancing around to Tom Jones and like throwing pill bottles around the room. Like that, that yes. is like, that's now we're like, okay, this is a bad guy. This is I officially mean, a bad he's clearly guy. a
0: bad guy. My question isn't really, is Oliver not a bad guy? It's, is Ryan a bad guy? And I have to say kind of, sort of.
1: Yeah, definitely kind of, sort of. Uh but see the thing is Luke was a worse guy. So <laughs> true. We're not you know
0: <laughs> true. But Oliver makes a very compelling point because my, my O scene just to sort of if you don't mind me sort of dovetailing with yours. Sure. Um is when Oliver reveals his evil plan at the end. Mhm.
1: Yeah, that was and, good. I had that as in the yeah, running. S-
0: super I think like super clever and Oliver he's really good in the scene he even says it like look how i didn't have to do anything right you like blew up your own relationship it's like he's right
1: kind of got a good point yeah totally and i i really like the way he's like look man this isn't personal he is kind of like rubbing his face in it a little bit but he makes a good point he's like you know don't throw away your opportunity here with a girl you're not going to care about in 10 years. And you're like, what? How dare you? This is true love. But, like, meanwhile, if <laughs> they're, like, juniors in high school and, like, they've been dating you for, know, like, all like, of, like, two months or something. So, kind of a good point.
0: He's, like, fully right on most counts. Yeah. He's
1: like, don't assault. But the thing is, he's trying to bait him into assaulting him or you could. That's one way to read it. Um, yeah. So... It's like, don't assault me because like that will truly fuck up your life over this, you know, girl that obviously like the chances of you actually making it long term with her are slim and none. Um, but yeah, y- y- make some good points. But I just wanted to go back quick, quick. I had a couple more notes on the uh, the confrontation between Marissa and Ryan in the hallway. Um, in my opinion, there really hasn't been a good Marissa and Ryan scene since uh, Chris Mika, the blow up between them. And I mentioned that I think last episode, but um, that I, that scene where he's slamming the door while she's sitting in the the car, that that's the kind of shit. I we talked about this before too, but Ryan punching Oliver, I, that was kind of my like, oh come on, like seriously, yep. and he's like growling in like the Christian Bale Batman voice, like it's just like dude, this is not interesting to me. I mean that that scene was great, but the way it the way it ends was just like more of the same shit, but um. But yeah, a good Ryan Marissa scene. The Natalie reveal is like a really like legit shock. At this point, you know, everybody watching the show is kind of thinking Natalie probably isn't real, but there hasn't been any evidence and nobody in the show has suggested it yet. Um, So that was like Ryan's like officially like up shit's Creek when that happens. Uh, You know, he's totally he's Um, only he's out, you know, he's out for Marissa's best interest. We understand that. But now the, the evidence is mounting that he is just kind of like losing it
0: he's unhinged. Mhm. <clears throat> um great scene and I couldn't agree more. I thought Marissa was excellent in it and um I think she I think she's had a really good like understated performance in terms which is very surprising to say about about Misha Barton at all. Um but I think she's really handled this arc pretty well and uh that was a great an example of it. Um my question to you how fucked is Ryan? Like he's got to be. I don't remember. I don't remember what happens. He gets expelled, right? Surely.
1: Uh, I, I'll. I'll admit I did watch one ahead. I guess I won't. I won't spoil the fun for you and our listeners who haven't uh, seen it yet. But uh, let's just play it out here. So he's he's on probation, right? For any one of the assaults he's made at this point, or at least burning down the Yeah, He's, on, the model he's already house. on probation. Like, and
0: so then he he breaks and enters. So he then he goes under official review. So it's like okay, last straw has been strawed, right? And he now you're now they're gonna d- decide whether to expel you. And then he then like, he he maims a, <laughs> a, a, a new transfer.
1: You really should be back in. They should yeah. Chino isn't bad enough where they should send them. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's a couple wrongs below Chino? <laughs> um no yeah i i mean Where did it is Jerry it cooper is cooper
0: grow grub riverside yeah right
1: <laughs> uh i mean i guess yeah i don't know how much you want me to tease it but like we'll just say this oliver it's it's shown that oliver and it's suggested and it's it's verified actually that oliver is a threat to himself and others as well so
0: we will see perhaps we'll get some deus ex machina and right and All of Ryan Smith's deeds will be vindicated. (laughs) Yeah. Like, seriously, though, like,
1: (laughs) punching, like, I mean, he's not defenseless, but he he didn't, you know, like, start the fight. He, like, chased him down and punched him two or three times. Uh, Yeah, you'd think that, like, not only, like, expulsion, but jail time would be coming for somebody who did that, but...
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, So let's do a little bit of a cool-down lap, Steve. Let's do a little bit of, like, you know, the vinyasa at the end of the yoga session uh let's dive into bees get degrees so we haven't had this segment in a while uh i think as you mentioned steve the the central drama of the kids has really like a a shadow uh, but a shadow you love to bask in like on a hot day uh, has (laughs) fallen over the series uh, but we do have a little bit of interest, maybe in how disinteresting it is, uh, in terms of the, the adults. Uh, I, I have it written down as a tale of two B-plots, one pretty good and one pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, let's start with a pretty good one. Uh, I actually found, as all of Jimmy's scenes have been in the last two months... Uh, really nuanced. I know you, you gave it, like, sort of a uh, not a very popular undersigning in the will they or won't they, but I thought it was, like, co- the little bit of cold feet, and he doesn't want, because if it fails, then that's, like, the third thing he's done that's failed, and then he's for sure a failure, mm. and so he's kind of, like, nervous about it. Meanwhile, Sandy couldn't be more gregarious and believing in him, and it's just, and then we get, like, There'll be two meatloafs, and I, I just like found that to be like incredibly charming. I did like uh, the
1: the scene where they're in. Anytime they're in the restaurant, I'm I'm like I'm like okay, I can see where this is going. Um, and honestly, I don't know. I'll take I actually take that back. I don't think it's bad. I just think that at this point with Oliver and the shit that Ryan was doing, this is like the first time Ryan's like done some like legit interesting things on his own in a while. So I I kept wanting to get back to that. While I was watching the episode. Uh, But yeah, I like I there's a few things I like about the Sandy and Jimmy uh, scenes in this episode. One, Sandy's fully gung ho and he's got his own reasons, too. He's not just trying to help Jimmy. But um, Jimmy not only is like we were drunk that like and like who hasn't had, you know, one too many. They said they had five martinis. I think that number should have been a little bit higher. If I'm (laughs) if I'm to be be if I'm to believe that he's, you know, like singing and like hitting on servers but whatever uh but yeah just like a a night out with a friend where you kind of like come up with a crazy idea maybe like having an oc podcast over some cocktails and <laughs> <laughs> then it you know comes true or it doesn't there's plenty of times when those nights you know it doesn't turn out the way that you had you know talked about it when you were eight or nine martinis in but um so i liked that i like that and then i like the part where jimmy was like oh wait like I can't come up with my side of the money. Sandy's like, I got you. And he's like, oh, so wait, I would work for you. Or like he wants to pull his own weight. He wants, you know, he wants to be equal partners in this. Sandy kind of reminds him that you don't really have any other choice. You know, like your other, your other option is leaving town, going to Phoenix. So like get in with it, Um, which he does eventually. Uh, But yeah, the scene in the restaurant, you mentioned it, two meatloaves and the way they're just like kind of like opining for, you know, the glory days of you know, I don't even who know the actors are talking about Humphrey Bogart or somebody or
0: you know some other ancient history. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but uh but yeah, I liked that uh Jimmy Cooper, I think. Or no, that's the that's the character in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Jimmy Stewart, but I don't think they actually mentioned him. Whatever. That's <laughs> neither here nor there.
0: It's adjacent to the point. Uh yeah. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then uh we've already said it, but yikes what a what a dry bones cardboard milk toast beige colored b plot, Kirsten <laughs> Julie, just just terrible. And we've got some some truly trough tier Caleb just tucked in at the end. And what goads me about it? And I've this is the third thing about the episode that has goaded me, Steve. I'm very goaded. Is the three actors and characters involved in it rule? They're yeah, awesome.
1: True. Caleb,
0: Julie, Kirsten. That is a recipe for fireworks.
1: True. What do we
0: get? Hydrangeas.
1: <laughs> we get, yeah, a model home that needs to be furnished. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know what more we have to say about that, honestly. I don't think, I mean, I guess I said I already know what happens. I watched it. I guess I'll say that, yeah, it does get a little bit better. Um, that that leads to some. her. So she, okay, let's just talk about what actually happens. So she does get offered a position to work at the Newport Group. Now she'll be working with Kirsten. Obviously, they're not like, you know, um, in the same position or anything like that. I think Kirsten's definitely still the superior there, but she's in, she's working with uh, Kirsten, but also Caleb. So, you know, we've got, it's, I don't know if you've ever worked with a significant other, but um,
0: drama can arise. So keep your eyes. <laughs> I have, I have. It went pretty peacefully. Uh, Okay. (laughs) uh, take that oc i did eventually get fired but that's another thing entirely uh yeah i i that's what because it kind of had all the trappings of a good b plot pressure cooker julie backstabs betrays drops the ball or maybe she's gonna do good and she's gonna rub Kristen's nose in it we don't know uh but it it Man, how boring. Well, the the biggest thing
1: is, is that, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but the stakes are just incredibly low. Like, seriously, like, again, real estate agent, there's not there's not much lower stakes than, you know, like staging for an open house when you're talking real estate. So especially for like, you know, like a organization that has like, I don't know how many model homes they have, but this is their first go around. So it's like, okay, yeah, we know we know what we're doing here, uh, you know, to reinvent the wheel
0: and it didn't we got basically a we got a wheel we watched a wheel spinning and caleb was um, thrilled he's <laughs> he couldn't have been happier understated it was inspired as he said for like the f- three people say it it's terrible so anyway this all comes down to a question steve maybe it's a simple question i don't think it's a very complicated question this week is this a foundational episode or is it a filler episode Um, I think
1: it's definitely fully filler. Uh, I know Marissa. So that's the other thing we kind of, we, we, we didn't really dive full on into this. Marissa and Ryan break up in this
0: episode. Oh yeah. We buried the lead a bit. Uh, but I'm going to
1: answer the question. It's still filler. Uh, we're still mid Oliver arc and it just definitely feels unfinished and in need of resolution. So it's filler. But yeah, let's, I mean, I don't know how much, if you have any takes on the Marissa and Ryan breakup.
0: Uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, it, it was swiftly but appropriately. Mm-hmm. It's uh, he 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 violates her trust, and she does the uncharacteristic Marissa thing, where she's actually like, "Well, this was just bad, and now I'm not having it anymore. You're you're done," and breaks up with him. Great. It was it was uh, another good bit of performing by by Marissa or by Misha Barton, I suppose, um, as Marissa and uh it doesn't save it from being filler though i mean we're reaching a point where like you can't skip every episode and know what's going on so like don't don't do that if you're watching the show uh (laughs) in (laughs) fact consider watching all the episodes but this one is a pretty safe skip it's a it's a filler episode for sure
1: yeah i mean i don't even think of it in terms so much of as like skippable or non-skippable but just like important or not important and yeah. like important things happen like marissa and ryan breaking up that's like a I, i'd like to i wish i could go back and think about like how i felt or how more importantly like how like the fans of the show felt about this episode in the moment if they actually were like holy shit marissa and ryan broke up um because it doesn't it's just like it just kind of makes sense at this point he like did one, like one too many things to like not not gain her trust or like you know like abandon her trust or whatever the phrase i'm i'm losing my mind here trying to think of what i'm trying to say but um
0: (laughs) but i you know maybe i'm maybe i'm like too analytical in my in my rewatch of this episode but like strikes me as the show kind of buried the lead as well right If I were watching it i would be of the mindset like oh this is a temporary setback
1: that's a great is, point. Because that is like, it's still mid-Oliver arc. So that that one like if that gets resolved and they're still broken up, that feels that would feel more consequential than them having a fight over something Ryan did that was clearly inappropriate and then her being like, I can't do this anymore.
0: It is a breakup, but it feels like a fight. That's what I'm saying. Uh so on that note, tier list, Steve. Uh pretty despite the episode being rough around the edges and in the middle um <laughs> i pretty some pretty strong performances i would say
1: yeah i agree uh i just want to give a special shout out to last place forever unseating luke with danny uh, <laughs> wanted to get that out of the way
0: danny or donny oh the shit characters.
1: i forgot about donny
0: um danny's worse danny's worse danny's but... way worse Donnie had some wild card testosterone energy. <laughs> Still bad, though. Um, should we start with five? You want to kick us off, Steve? Yeah, sure. I'll kick
1: us off. Uh, she's been absent from my tier list for a while, so I didn't want to throw her up too high, but I, I had Marissa at five. Uh, me, too. Okay um mostly for the scene that i mentioned uh really like that scene where she confronts ryan after detention well played by barton uh kind of goads him uh did i just steal your word there sorry please i i am not allowed to have it anymore i use it too much she baits him let's say she because she's like yeah she's like what you know Oh, you had detention. Oh, what for? She already knows that he lied about, you know, where he was going to be. Uh, and then he lies again about what he got detention for and then the results in that scene. But um, yeah, I don't know. I li- I liked her in this episode uh, quite a bit. What did you think?
0: I also liked her. Um, I, like I Like I said, the Bartometer is holding steady. I think she gives the exact type of performance we need from our leading lady in this sort of situation she for a change is sort of the straight she's the straight played foil to Ryan and um she also stands in for the rest of the cast as their current understanding and feelings towards Oliver mm. and as that role i think she is doing great and like you said she gives Ryan a good dressing down and she plays the breakup scene very emotionally and very succinctly uh, really good stuff.
1: Totally. Uh, one thing I also wanted to mention m- more about Marissa the character than Barton, but um, up until this point, she hasn't given Ryan anything for him to worry about. You know, there's been no inclination, other than like spending time with Oliver. There's been no inclination that the viewer is meant to believe that she like has any feelings for him other than being a friend. So he, yes, for the Ryan one losing his mind,
0: bathhouse grape leap feeding scene was <laughs> off screen as far as Ryan's concerned. So. Right, yeah. but him, no, him but losing totally
1: right. it is like does seem like unfounded because of the way she's been
0: behaving toward Oliver and about Oliver. It's been completely above the board, correct. Mm. I, I totally agree. So we both had uh, her at five. We did. Number four for you?
1: Steve? Four? I put Oliver. Okay. I had him at three last week. Um, like I said before, he's kind of barely in the episode, but the final speech was really damn good. And yep. I that was the main reason I put it in there. We talked about it already, some of the things I liked about it. Um he's kinda of weirdly sensitive to Ryan while still kind of like being like I you you I won. Um but I don't know. I like that. Uh and I, I mean he's he's still he is like still kind of hateable in a few ways, like the, the time, like the moment where he's like, oh, me and Marissa have the same schedule. Who, like, what are the odds? Like that type of stuff. He's kind of like needling him throughout. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts?
0: Loved it. I had him at three. Uh, okay. I really like it. And I really like the same things that you pointed out. He is, you know, I have a debate with myself sometimes when he's on the screen. Is he too soap opera-y mm. or is he the perfect amount of soap opera-y? And I I think question. he rides a fine line.
1: That's a great Certain question scenes, and a great take. He doesn't he do, yeah, like do you I, I feel he does kind of feel out of place with the rest of the kids. And I guess let's let's investigate with that a little bit further like what do you what do you mean by
0: soap opera-y? I think I know what you mean, but he just has this sort of tenor of melodrama under the way he talks, and the faces he makes. And, you know, the rest of them, we're we're like, it's pretty easy to believe these are kids, even though, like, Brody's 25 and Ben McKenzie's 23 or whatever. Uh, But they they have kid-like auras, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a group of kids. Oliver doesn't have that aura. No. Oliver comes in, he could very well be 30. He is acting like an adult, a Machiavellian adult at that. And the way he delivers his lines are just, like, so pointed and dripping with poison. It's just, it, like you said, it's a little out of place. I can't tell if I love it. I can't tell if I think it's too much. But I think I'm following my heart, and I find him immensely entertaining.
1: I agree with all of that. I would say, you know, just, just uh, if you're trying to be charitable to the show, they have, like, explained that this is, like, this is not a normal kid. Like, he is extremely privileged. He is like pretty sophisticated for his age. He's like dealt with, you know, he's like gone. He's got experience in therapy. I've I've just kind of like mostly from, you know, like my intake of media, but also just kind of like being out in the world. I do kind of like think that people who have spent like who have experience in therapy just kind of like are critical thinkers in kind of a different way, especially emotionally. Uh, So I don't think I don't think that reads as like confusing but i agree with you 100 percent that he doesn't his aura is not of a kid but there's like good reason why it shouldn't be you know in the show's lore
0: excellent counterpoint all that to say oliver at three for me and four for you my number four jimmy
1: oh holy shit jimmy at four
0: okay i jimmy coming in at four
1: didn't appear on mine i had him at five last week
0: let me hear it I want to begin by admitting the pick is somewhat speculative. I this is mostly <laughs> it seems like t- totally out of left field, but this is mostly sort of a penalizing pick against Ryan. Oh, me.
1: okay. Well, that's that works well because he's my three. So let's let let's get into
0: it. I was not particularly fond of Ryan in this episode.
1: Are you saying Ryan or Mackenzie or both?
0: Both, I guess, because if it was just Ryan, that wouldn't preclude him from being on the tier list. Obviously, like Oliver's hateable, but he's high on the list. Just sure. just doing hateable things does not necessarily preclude you okay. from being on the list. I thought Mackenzie gave an uneven performance. I think he's actually I, kind of
1: bad in some of these scenes, but I still have him at three. But I, I, I <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't, I can't defend Mackenzie, especially in the final scene. Him stewing, like him, like. Boy, Boil- it's not even stewing. It's him boiling. Is not good.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He he looked like Russell Crowe, modern <laughs> day Russell Crowe, sixty-two year old Russell Crowe. Uh bad bad look for him. Deer in the headlights while rifling through the file cabinets. Bad defensive for no reason to both. Mr. Ki- or Mr. Kim, excuse me, Dean Kim and to Sandy, like both inexcusable moments. Oh, the the line, unevenly. are you
1: gonna kick me out or whatever? That like was very after school, especially for me. Yeah.
0: Wooden, wooden too. So I shouldn't. This is Jimmy's time in the spotlight. I shouldn't spend it. Yeah, no. Well, Ryan. I well
1: we I had Ryan at three. So let me just. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to uh, jump you there, but I'll just say why I did have him at three. Um, Please. He's actually doing some interesting things, like break, That's true. breaking into, I mean, besides punching people aside, I've no longer consider that interesting. Never really did, but, uh, <laughs> breaking into the, um, the records office, stealing the note from Marissa, having that conversation with Seth, which I really liked both, both halves of it and still reading the letter anyway. Um, it's a full on mental breakdown for him and, Yeah, it's just and he he appeared at two uh, for me last week. He you know, this the 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 Marissa Oliver Ryan plot now has overtaken uh, my interests in the show. So I didn't I couldn't kick him off uh, entirely. I guess I had him at three, so it wasn't even close to kicking him off. So that's that's why, though.
0: For all of my what I would consider valid criticisms, I also think your points are valid. And I think anyone having Ryan in their tier list for this episode is perfectly justified. Um, I just, you know, I made a political statement by keeping them off, essentially.
1: I'm not mad at that. Yeah, Mackenzie, just just not a great job by you this episode.
0: No, consider this your indictment. Uh, very, very brief word on Jimmy. Yeah, uh, no, He please. continues just to have like a twinkle in his eye a hack night smile and a heart of gold and he's just is he the most relatable character on the show right now? I would have to say yeah. I, I think so.
1: Yeah, he's playing it well. I like uh, and he, you know, he, he's he's definitely downtrodden, but he's also it's relatable. He's not, you know, he's not just getting he's at least got Sandy to try to bring him back up but he's still kind of like hesitant about you know the opportunity the the third or fourth chance he's been given now uh from sandy but
0: yeah and Andy's- i'm just proud of tate for escaping the maelstrom like he was punching bag sad sack exactly loser. and like he could really become the actual goat of the show. Totally. Not the greatest of all time either. Like the lowercase actual. goat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, but he hasn't. He's become a very interesting character. And so uh, I love him, and I gave him a shout-out at a four.
1: I would never argue with the Jimmy on the tier list, as long as he's below three. <laughs> I, <laughs> if Jimmy ever goes above three on either tier list, we might have to have a, an off-mic conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Speaking kidding. of above three, though, uh, we both have our threes sorted, so let's move on to number two. I think we might be aligned, maybe, yeah. probably.
1: Well, Danny's one, so I had Seth at two. <laughs> uh, Not
0: even in jest, Steve. No, Not even sorry.
1: Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, are we Seth at two? Am I... Seth at two. Okay. Seth at two. Big bounce and back here's episode why. A lot of good for stuff. my guy.
0: Yeah. Um, his heart to hearts with Ryan where he's like you're actually scaring me you're going off the deep end i don't see the difference between you two right now like that's good stuff
1: that was why no. i put him at 2 uh, we were very rarely get cons- like sincere concerned stuff and that was though both those scenes were great and he's still kind of he-, he has that he's like you can't read that letter it's cursed like the ring he i mean he's still he's still <laughs> dropping dimes like that some good pop pop culture references uh while he's like giving very sincere advice uh to a friend but yeah that was the main reason just I like his him dad yeah
0: um i also agree i also thought he was the only tolerable part about any of the danny scenes mm-hmm. where he's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like, is everyone else brain damaged what's happening thought that was good i do want to caveat though his scene his little mini arc here with anna is this is a nightmare? The Pretty bad. Seth Anna relationship should have been pure heroin snark, <laughs> cute alt lovebirds glory. Instead, it is a mess. Has it's it, like do they you, are slaughtering would you, the chemistry.
1: Would you consider it so? If, if, for considering all of it, all every every moment that Seth and Anna have had together, you're you're given a scale of one to ten. And in your memory, can can give me the you know your what you remember it as being in your rewatch reaction to their to their relationship up until this point. Obviously, it's not over yet. But
0: this is a f- thank you so much for posing this. In my memory, they like hit it off and they were like it's pretty serious and it was cute. And I would have said seven out of ten. Watching it, it's like two out of ten. Like he every seems moment, repulsed though, by her.
1: I mean, I know, I know. Especially in the last two, things haven't been great. There have been some good stuff though.
0: Yeah, the the very beginning was key. Was some, some sure New
1: Year's Eve that cute. was good when they finally get together. I mean, good some good stuff. The Thanksgiving episode gets forgotten since we've had so much uh great shit the last four or five. But you know, I still stand for Thanksgiving episode. I don't know. I'm just saying it's not as bad. You're, you, that might be a little recency bias, but it is bad right now
0: for sure. Yeah, a, a fair counterpoint, but I I've got to say it just. The thing that strikes me is Seth really seems sort of grossed out by her. Mm. He like he doesn't seem to be into her.
1: It's a good point cuz even in the Thanksgiving episode it was like he he like he definitely seemed more into it with Summer.
0: He couldn't get away from this like undressing woman in his bed fast enough.
1: That was the that was the worst part about the, the Lynx episode. I mean he,
0: we we kicked him off the tier list for that. That was <laughs> That was we unforgivable. Did. We did. We put him in the we put him in the dungeons for an episode. From off the list well back deserved. to two, though. I mean, shout out. Yeah, so that, that being his only dark spot and otherwise excellent episode from from Adam Brody.
1: Totally. And it's really like it's kind of a crime what they've done to Anna, because she hasn't been on a tier list in a while. That's
0: the thing that would have if you would yeah. ask me what a perennial tier list for me would have looked like, it would have been something along the lines of Sandy, Seth, Anna, Jimmy, and a, ro- and a flex spot. Probably mm. Julie. They The truth has been much more interesting, but it has broken my heart because Anna hasn't deserved to be anywhere near a top five list. She's barely scratching a top ten list for the last few episodes. And that breaks my heart because I love the character and I, I love Samaria Armstrong. So, the king continues his reign. Ooh, long may he live. Um I think Seth flirted with knocking him off this episode for me. Oh, interesting.
1: I'll give it. I just want to. I got one thing to say about Sandy, and I'm just going to do. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to capture what Gallagher does in this scene, but I just want to read you a sentence.
0: Okay.
1: Whoa, that kid is not funny. He makes Ryan look funny. And then Seth, good, good ad here. He makes Marissa look funny. That is just a fucking good line. (laughs) He makes Marissa look funny. That is meta. See, if you want to talk about meta, that might, we might have, we could have done a whole show, a whole segment on that line right there. He makes Marissa look funny. Gentiles, I love your mother more than words. Not funny. Get yourself some funnier friends. Just, like, (laughs) seriously, like, God-tier shit from my guy.
0: That's that's what Gallagher does in his throwaway scenes. Like, that scene's, like, a a little... That's not an integral scene. It's a throwaway scene. He made it into solid platinum.
1: Dude, seriously. And, like, it's... I don't know. It's... The show is... um, So, yeah, we didn't do the meta segment this week, but that is... The show knowing that Danny is not funny, and be, and uh, Sandy being like the true judge of who is and who isn't funny, and then also that quick line about Marissa it makes Marissa look funny. That's just awesome.
0: It's it's you know to steal a word right out of Caleb Nichols' mouth. It's inspired. <laughs> uh, I agree. What, uh, what can you say about the man whose you've have any you've. <laughs> I can't I can't say it. <laughs> I can't say any more about Sanford. He's that good. Um he was good again and like I you know we've said it is we're beating a dead horse. It's a little bit attritionary. No one can knock him off because no one is is coming at him. Uh but once again, this plus his very charming, lovable, like just wholesome as hell B plot, and then a couple of absolute like laser beam scenes like Obviously, the the riff with Seth and then like another excellent, you know, he is, he's unschool school specialable. Every time Ben McKenzie floats out a stinker of a line, Gallagher is there to like completely recombine it into something actually like heartfelt and awesome.
1: He is. I mean, the I think like the sarcasm and like the, it's not even like sarcasm because I don't really think of like sandy being a cynical character really at all he you know he's he's definitely seth's father in that way um but yeah the, he does sincerity extremely well too it does not make it feel <clears throat> you know like goody two-shoes overwrought like you know we need to like moralize the audience here you know he he delivers those lines well too but and i also want to say we talk about it almost every episode at this point, but this is still a meritocracy. He does not have a permanent spot at the one spot, but somebody needs to unseat him, in my mind. And totally. I'm not I'm not gonna just knock him off for uh parody's sake.
0: Nope. Willy nilly is not gonna do the trick. Uh someday someone'll come for him, I believe it. Uh, that day's not yet.
1: No. Kirsten, save us though.
0: <laughs> Please get out of the get out of the yeah. maelstrom that is the Julie Caleb wasteland right now overall impressions like we we th- we've been very thorough this episode a lot of misses a few hits danny was involved uh <laughs> what was what's your cliffhanger steve we're we're anxious to move on to the next week that's something i think we can agree on
1: oh totally uh yeah for for a few reasons good cl- good actual cliffhanger in this episode i want to give a quick uh real life lore shout out um This weekend, or I I know this is dating the show, but uh, recently we had the Golden Globes and Bill Hader showed up on the red carpet. Do you know who Bill Hader's date was to the Golden Globes? I'm not sure who his date was. Bill Hader and Rachel Bilson making their relationship public on the Golden Globes Ah. red carpet over the weekend. Uh, Bilson is back in the spotlight and I'm just thrilled. So my cliffhanger is outside of the world of the show, but how long will Bilson and Hader make it last?
0: <laughs> the the one upsmanship on this cliffhanger segment is knows no bounds. You're a savant with this thing. Uh,
1: what are you? I don't know, I, but I, I took it outside. That that's a legit. I'm actually interested in that. I'm I
0: not... I loved it. I and that's like some some actually juicy lore for a Bilson fan at heart. Mm. Um. And Did I, you do you remember quick,
1: the Bilson uh, Hayden Christensen relationship at
0: all? Only very faintly. I think I was a my, I was a micro Christensen fan when I was a, a <laughs> collegiate. Oh shattered
1: man, shattered glass, baby. Oh dude, check it out. Steven... Rent it
0: from your local Blockbuster.
1: Oh, Christensen pod. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk off, mic. But what are you? So what are you thinking about? In terms of uh, what's coming in the OSC,
0: I just wish it were true. I wish we could get as as Summer puts it in the show. I have to go ice pick, funny guy. I think is what she says. Oh
1: yeah, to, yeah. What did she say? I have to ice. Yeah, I think she says I have to ice big funny guy.
0: Uh, I want to see her ice pick him. <laughs> I want it to be on screen. I know we won't get it. I know for, for and for the best, we'll never see Danny on screen again. But. <laughs> I want to see him get broken up with. And oh cry my god. On screen. It would be it would be too cathartic for me.
1: You know what I was thinking about uh th- you know how that would be a you just reminded me of this. That would be an awesome like after the credits or like during the credits like scene like there's some sh- <laughs> you know what I mean like kind of like inconsequential scene but you know like something that uh they had like brought up before. Like yeah, actually seeing Bilson break up with Danny would be really great
0: it'd be redemptive um well we'll never get that but at least we won't get more danny and listeners we all want to wash his taste out of our mouths so join (laughs) us again next week until then though take it till you make it